And the guy said, "Oh, you should come." I said, "Me? Where?" I said, "Go to Australia." I said, "Where? Where's that?" I'm sorry, because you know, I went to Europe, I went to Germany. I said, "Where's that?" I couldn't even speak English. She said, "No, no, you know what? I'll give you a discount fee to Asian, and you can come study." You know, everybody loves a bargain, right? So I said, "Okay." So here we come. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum, and in this episode, we're speaking with Monica Tu, founder and director of Black Diamond's Property Concierge and reality TV star on Lux Listing Sydney. Despite her humble beginnings and many stops and starts along the way, she's overcome the odds time and time again leading her to run a company that now turns over $300 million a year. Real estate reality TV shows have been steadily gaining popularity over the recent years and Lux Listing Sydney is one of the newest and most popular kids on the block. Monica too entered the show in its second season thanks to her success with high-end property agency, Black Diamond's Property Concierge. However, her success didn't come overnight. I came to Australia at age of 30, oh sorry, 34 years ago, at age of 26. So if you do math, you know how, how old I am. <laughs> it's an incredible journey. Come to this country uh, from China without any uh, knowledge or uh, of uh, this country or any language skills. And started really from the scratch, right? So, uh, as a student, studied English, and um, again, you know, uh, because of the hard work, and we can talk about that a bit later. And then uh, I'll start a, a business in IT. So working, of course, from like a petty market, washing the dishes, and and etc. etc. And to start an IT company. And if you read like uh, all the media is talking about, I used to like working at the petty market, have a bomb bag. Right, just just selling selling computer products, and um, so in two thousand seven, I retired from that business and had a break, and at the two thousand nine, and and started uh, you know thinking about really so I, I you know at the age of forty five, I should I retire? Should I start something new? Then it comes to my mind, and you know I started Black Diamonds, um, in the real real estate, but I'll call that Black Diamonds Property Concierge. And it's just been phenomenal. And yeah, so it's a great journey. It's only about, uh, I think, uh, shortly about 12 years in the market and highly successful. And for your audience, you know, our turnover yearly is about from uh, 200 to $300 million a year. So it, it's, a, it's a long journey, but again, you know, uh, it's property. Two certainly keeps herself busy working 8 to 12 hours a day regularly. Luckily for her and her clients, she sees it more as living her dream than as the hard work it really is. I don't think it's working, right? It's just I love what I do because, of course, you just smell the success. You know, you, you're, you're surrounded with all the incredible properties and the people. So, like, it excites me every day. So, I get up normally 7 o'clock in the morning and, like, a lot of real estate agents, oh, my God, 5 o'clock, no way, right? So, 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have to make sure I have a good sleep. 
a, a beauty sleep, right? So I've looked great. So seven o'clock in the morning, so I've got my trainings with a personal trainer four times a week, just keep me fit. And so I'm training about 45 minutes and, and then start, you know, first thing I do is I look at my social media, my emails. I, I'm, you know, believe it or not, I'm on five social, uh, uh, socials, right? So uh, Instagram, Facebook, you know, Chinese will have a WeChat, will have the Red Book. Oh my God, five of them. I have to check every single one is, um, you know, it's working or it's, it's a messages and I have to reply. Of course, the emails. And now I start my personal training journey. And after that, and the quick breakfast, you know, Vegemite and avocado on toast. So true Aussie. <laughs> You are, you are a true Aussie, <laughs> and you're an a, a, you're an Asian eating a Vegemite sandwich. I don't really hear that. Thirty four years in Australia, I was, you know, I was telling myself, I said, "What is this, like Vegemite, right?" So I think I want to become become a true Aussie. I have to love Vegemite. <laughs> so now I'm fell in love with Vegemite. If I travel back, you know, to China or overseas, I have to have a tube of Vegemite. People say, "What the heck is that?" I said, "You know what? I'm Aussie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it give you me a lot of vitamins and, and uh, energies. So you know, and, and you know, my uh, my day plans because I'm really hectic. You know, I mean, real estate is really time consuming. It's really demanding. So I have real estate. I, of course, you know, I do a lot of social activities. We're going to talk about a bit later. And then I do a lot of charities. So from you know, probably nine o'clock in the morning. So I, I have my team meetings until about. 3 to 3.30, 3.30, I will shut what I normally do in real estate. I start doing like interviews, like for example, with your guys. And so all my um, social plannings, you know, um, you know, um, prepare for my dinners, parties, you know, you know, I do this kind of stuff. I, literally, I eat out like seven days a week outside. What is that? That's the way I communicate with people. Now, it's a long day and the finish, you know, uh, 6.30 is normally my dinner. So if I have opportunity to, uh, you know, meet my clients, vendors and, you know, like uh, buyers, I, love, I would do that. And um, I go to bed about 11.30, 12, sometimes like 12.30 because of time difference. I have to talk to people from overseas. So I make sure every every email, every WeChat message is uh, you know returned, and I, I sleep about yeah eleven thirty twelve thirty. That's my day. It's just crazy, you know. But but I loved it. I loved it. So much energy, you know. Despite retiring at forty five years of age, Two is still growing stronger over a decade later, strengthening both her physical and work related muscles each and every day. I think when you retire at 45, it's really depending what other things you want to do. So I, I just give you an example. You know, before, you know, my other business in IT, I work seven days a week. Okay, so, you know, on a weekday, Monday to Friday, I work in, in the company and the weekends I would do the markets. Remember, the, it's, it's like physically and mentally exhausted. But, you know, but you are young, you know, you are young, you, have, you still have good legs. I'm, I now have bad knees, right? So I work so hard. But again, I focus on, you know, the how many people I have to look after to take care of my families, my, 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 my staff and my staff's family. So it's a full commitment. But after 45, I might, if you want me to say, okay, Monica, just go back to the market, do seven days a week. I probably cannot do that anymore. But what I did is I still work seven days a week, but I choose some career. I can, like, for example, I go for dinners. It's not even about dinner, right? It's not, I don't feel tired. I eat anyway. So what about if I meet the people? You know, I learn so much from them. You know, 
just to let you know, if you Google me, Monica, to a domain, real estate, whatever, right? So my average selling price is $14 million. So the people have the, you know, the money, let's say that around about $10 million. They're very successful people. Just sitting down with them. It's not about the business, about this. Just learn something from them. So I think every successful people have a story behind them, right? So you learn so much from them. Do you think it's work? I said not meeting them having dinner with them is a wasting of time so you go home have another virgin you cannot do that right <laughs> have another toast so and you cook and so for me it's like just go go out there meeting them learning from them so that's a different way of working you know i still work seven days a week on saturday and sundays i do private views but again i don't see it as a work i see it as um my passion right i want to get the job done i just open people's beautiful home prepare them for the next people to come in if people can buy that kind of properties obviously doesn't matter their vendors or buyers they're very very exciting people so that's my attitude towards my profession so that make me feel like really pumped up every single day right so yeah sounds crazy but i think it works meeting new people and learning their stories is part and parcel of the job which she revels in and values highly I'm just so different from other talents, but they're amazing. For me, it's, it's always about storytelling. So, you know, it's always about, you know, really learn what's the what's the design ideas, why you build this house, right? So, it, for, you know, like you said, all the real estate is very transactional. For me, it's not just a transactional. Of course, we'll have to get this sold. But again, we make friends and this friends for life. Doesn't matter your buyers or vendors, you know, like just by being surrounded by them, I think it's a blessing for me. So now um, probably 80-90% of my listings are coming from repeat customers. So they, they bought from me, they sell through me, or they, they, they never uh, uh, bought from me, but they, they saw me, how I work with them, even though they haven't bought anything. When they think about selling, they say, Monica, you are the right person. I'm, I'm not, you know, my brand is not suitable for everybody, but a lot of people really understand where I come from. And yeah, you know, they, they, they will work with me. So it's just so exciting. You, you think about our names, Black Dance probably comes here, actually. I say, oh, what, what, does, what do you mean? Are you like carry people's backs and... You know, also say, yeah, we do. It depends how much, you know, is the property is worth. I'm kidding, right? So it's, it's like the country is really about, it's service oriented. It's really all about service. But so, service is very costly. You need to spend time. You have to have the right team around you. But, you know, after like 12 years in the industry, so it, I think it's proving to be successful. At the beginning, it's really, people don't understand why you do that, right? Why, why you so write a reference letter for children's you know, schools? Why you make introduction for you know, um, other business, uh, connect to people? Why, why you do that? So you know what? You just have to give first. And then people understand, oh, my God, that's what you do. So you, you want to deliver that vision or service. And hopefully, God bless, one of the day, there will be business. But... Again, you know, I, I think, you know, it's proving we're very successful. It's because I'll set our vision, I'll set our goal, right? This is what we want to achieve. And, you know, 12 years in the industry, just look what we have done. It's incredible. Two steps back to share our own story, starting with growing up in Southwest China in the 1960s. It's called Guizhou Province, right? So it's nothing like, it's a very small province. Uh, and it's in China, it's like a third tier of, you know, it's like a third world country, right? Third tier of the province. And um, uh, my, my family, my mom's family or my dad's family, so we're very wealthy before the revolution. But, you know, obviously, you know, 
the, you know, everything's taken away and we become really poor. But we consider ourselves very rich because of what in our family have a very rich culture. So we always like love music, love, uh, you know, like uh, literatures and stuff like that, even when we didn't have anything. So at the age of 15, so the, you know, the, yeah, if you know a bit of Chinese history, the Cultural Revolution is officially finished. So we got the opportunity to go to university. So when I was 15, so I passed the state exam. So I went to study a language, which is German. It's called German literature. So at the age of 19, I finished the university. I become, I, I become an interpreter. Okay, it was like a really good job. Um, you know, uh, then um, now you think back, say, oh my God, that was like a fancy job at the time. You know, that was 1982. So God, before you, all your guys are born or whatever. <laughs> Now you know my age, as I'm going to be 60 in August. I'm so proud. I look like birds, you know what I mean? So, you know, so I have I come become, you know, like a, um, uh, I don't know, my, my parents, you know, so I'm a only child in the, in the family. So what's the best thing people ask, your parents give it to me is the freedom. Okay, so I quit my job within the government and I moved to another province called Shenzhen in 1985. Okay. The Shenzhen just opened to, to the world is the first special zone, economic zone, uh, you know, where they welcome the Western investment. So I was an interpreter to bring a project together at Shenzhen in 1985. At the time, it's the biggest joint venture in Shenzhen. And uh, I think the total amount is like 13 million US dollars. Now you think, oh my God, that's it? That's it. So now the company is public listed. It's very successful. So I did very well back in China. But there's one opportunity in 1988. So, you know, the, the Australians opened to recruit the Chinese students to come to Australia. So I helped one of the school to recruit the students back in China. I couldn't speak English, but I could help, right? And the guy said, oh, you should come. I said, me? Where? I said, go to Australia. I said, wait, where's that? I'm sorry, because, you know, I went to Europe, I went to Germany. I said, where's that? I couldn't even speak English. I said, no, no, you know what? I'll give you a discount fee to Asian, and you can come start. You know, everybody loves a bargain, right? So I said, okay, so here we come. So in March, um, 8th of March, 1988, I, I, I came to Australia, so I, I studied in a language school uh, in Melbourne. And yeah, that's how, how, but I couldn't get a job, you know, so because you couldn't speak English and, you know, like, it's just so hard. I, I tried to work in the restaurants, babysit, you just name it, you know. Every job I had, two weeks I get sacked. <laughs> Not good at it. Not good at it. So, yeah, um, you know, it's from, like, just imagine, you know, you have a really prestigious, prestigious job in China comes here with nothing and then you have to start from zero you know it's not about money so we can always survive right but it's about you know, psychologically how can you overcome from like from top to bottom with nothing so I now I think back I'm like I really admire myself you know my parents the best thing they give to me you know the advice is you know, take the opportunity okay if Something, you know, not going, uh, you know, according to your plan, you always can come back with us. So that's the best thing they give it to me. So that's what I give to my daughter. Okay. You take the opportunity in life and try your best you can. And hopefully it's going to work. If it doesn't work, you know, we're here for you. So that's the best thing they ever given to me. They didn't give me money because so we didn't have money. And not nothing, seriously, nothing. So I worked all the old jobs. I still remember all the restaurants. I just come back from Melbourne yesterday. I still say, oh my God, that, I used to work in a restaurant, right? I, I, but before they sacked me, I just re, re, resigned, you know, because it's just so hard. 
Now, yeah, it's some very, very humble background. But, you know, so, yeah, um, I come to Sydney at the 1992 and, and started you know, working in the computer shops. And, you know, like on the weekend, again, I said, you know what, I, I need to make a living. So I, I borrowed some stock, you know, start selling the floppy disks. You guys didn't know you're too young. Coming up after the break, two dishes out some more of a valuable wisdom. You never know. You come to a, a new place, new situation, but how can you make the best out of it? She delves into some of the opportunities that came her way and missed yet another move. Again, you know, I, I was very fortunate. You know, that's why I love this country. You know, they give you opportunities. She lets us in on a little secret that will spark nostalgia for those over a certain age. You push it in and you push a button, it comes back. Like, I don't know which button to press, but I'm the number one sales for my CDRs. And that's next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, let's be real, deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Laser floppy disks and CDs were the peak of technology at the time and two knew how to capitalize on a safe investment. Despite not knowing much about how Laser's products worked, she wasn't going to let that deter her from smashing sales quotas and launching her career to a new level. So, you know, I, I started, you know, with a, you know, uh, in a computer shops, right? So I started working there. And so now the weekend, I take some of the floppy disks and then the CDRs into the market. So I literally, you know, the, the owner of that computer shop said, you know, Monica, you're so good, right? Why don't you come and work with me? I said, okay. And I worked with him and I ended up marrying him, right? We divorced now, but we're still friends. So marrying him, and we've grown that uh, uh, laser business from like corner shop in Surrey Hills and plus the Paddis market and you know like all the markets, right, to an international company. So laser is still very very strong. I'm still part of the the company, but I, I'm not involved at all. So that's how we grow. So you know, for you know, for your audience, like you know. You never know. You come to a, a new place, new situation, but how can you make the best out of it, right? I know nothing about IT. As you can know, we're just struggling with a little bit. Oh my God, Zoom, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? But I work with the people, best people around me who understand. I mean, very good in sales and marketing. I never knew I have the skill. But when the opportunity come to me, I really work hard for it. But I, I never stop, 
you know, even though I reached the peak of laser, and I never stopped thinking about what's next, right? How can I grow like pers- personally and you know, professionally? So you know, at the age of forty-five, you know, company is, is in a good hand. It's is from a corner shop to a corporation. So now we have like a, you know, branch in New Zealand, Hong Kong, China. It's a multi-million-dollar company, and it's in a professional hand. I said, okay, time for me to retire. That's how I retired from that business because you know. Because I'm I'm not corporate trained, so if I keep staying in a company, maybe they will stop them growing. To be honest, right? You give me a, a like a, a accounting, you know, like a package called SAP. I said, what the heck is that? You know, <laughs> you know, SAP. My God. So you know, uh, sometimes you just have to let go. They go to you know the professionals. In my my managing director is with us for like eighteen years now. Then my personal assistant for twenty four years now. Oh, by the way, my ex husband, my business partner now, we started business together. So you know, I, I think it's a phenomenal journey for that company, and they're still growing stronger and stronger and stronger without me. So I'm so happy for. Them. So how how many people does Laser currently employ as as of today? Would you know roughly? Uh, I, I don't. I think it's probably over forty. Okay, and it's a mo- oh, I think maybe more because we, we they employ somebody in China as well to do the product sourcing to do the OEMs. You know, we they manufacture a lot of product for other brands. You know, we have like I'm sure we have like Harvey Norman, Big W's. You know, all these major brand. So they they're doing really well. So I don't interfere because you know even though I'm part of the shareholder because I shouldn't be shouldn't be interfering, right? But by saying that back to the, your listeners. And one of the success we have、uh, to share with you is about、uh, a property. Okay, so my my my、um, you know、uh, now we have、uh, warehouses in Alexandria, also in because we buy the property when we grow the company. I'm Chinese, right? So if you have money, you buy properties. <laughs> so and if you have a business and we want to have the property as an owner occupier, so we don't have to pay rent. My God, my mind is still back in China, right? So we we we, we love to. We don't want to pay rent. We just want to have our own. So,、uh, so、um, we're very good in terms of investment in in the warehousing because we have the warehousings. We we use the warehousings, and of course, you know, for for example, the Alexandra warehouse is already rezoned as a residential. So obviously, you can see the value of that one has increased, and also the one we have in Macquarie Park. So Macquarie Park, when we bought it, was like just a pure warehouse. Now、um, it's probably in the rezoning plan, so you have to see that, that you have a railway station now.、Uh, Macquarie Macquarie Shopping Centre is one of the biggest shopping centre. So that's. I think that's a big chunk of our, in terms of wealth. I think it's a big chunk of our,、um, because we invest really, really well and very conservatively, because we're using the place. But now we think, oh my God, if we buy more, 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 maybe it's better. But you know what? So we're happy. You know, we're happy. We don't want to overexpend, overcommit. And this is my investment, um, uh, like um, uh, um, what do you call that? It's my investment way to make me feel. Very comfortable. I don't want to over invest. I don't want to over expand. One step at a time. So the investment product become the bigger portfolio than the business itself. Put that way. Two steps back to us on a journey through humble beginnings, jumping to a rival in Australia as a 26-year-old in 1988. In typical two fashion, she landed several jobs, which kept her both on her feet and run off them. In Melbourne, I, you know,、um, at the daytime, you know, I was very fortunate to get a job、uh, to teach typing. 
Even I just learned. <laughs> I just learned how to pipe. I'm like, I can teach, and I started English at the same time. So I work like as a babysitter for a, a dentist. I work in you know, a couple of restaurants. You know, that's what I do. It's just some old jobs, you know, to keep me going to pay the rent. But I, again, you know, I I was very fortunate. You know, that's why I love this country. You know, they give you opportunities because it's not because of my language. It's because of my experience. So the RMIT. RMIT in Melbourne, so the uh, International Trade, um, uh, you know, the faculty give me a scholarship. It's because I've been working in a、uh, tourism internationally because I have experience with, you know, like a bit of a trade and, you know, from my background in China. So they give me a scholarship. So I started at the International Trade, and、uh, sponsored by I think Institute of Import and Export Australia. So they give me some, you know, like I, I started International Trade for 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 a year. And、um, yeah, and I, again, I couldn't find a job. Oh yeah, but one thing is like this is really good. So I never knew I can sell, you know, because my my family. So we're we're like a scholars, right? We're we're like I'm working as an interpreter.、So、I never we never think about selling. So I got so stuck. It's like,、oh、my God, what am I gonna do, right? And then、um, there's a company approached me, and they say, okay, you know what? So you you love a bit beauty, you look at yourself. You should start in selling the cosmetics. I said, oh, okay. So we start involved with a company called Mary Kay from America. It's direct selling, and、um, and I just get involved with that company. I said, I bought a few pieces myself, and I start talking to my friends. I think within like a few weeks, I was wearing a pink jacket because everybody come to my door. If you don't want to buy, you have to sell. I have to teach them how to sell it. Right, you know what I mean. So if you don't buy a lipstick or cosmetic for me, and that you have to be one of my member downline, right? I do so well, my God, thank God. I said, oh, actually, I can sell, and that's Mary Kay. And then we、we'll、start with a company with a legal and general city insurance. So oh, I bought one myself, and you know I still have it. And they they sell the company in National Mutual, whatever. And I start selling. I said, oh, actually. I'm a good sales. I can sell. That's how I started selling. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's really, really interesting. I never know I have the talent in it. After a handful of odd jobs, realizing her sales talents and growing her self confidence, she moved to Sydney to combine her skills in a new market. You wouldn't believe it. So I just, you know, like I couldn't get a job. So I try, you know, I, this is a funny story. I said, "Oh my God, I can sell, right? Obviously, I'm I'm quite good looking, and I work really hard." But nobody gave me a job. I tried to apply for. At the time, I come to to Sydney is 1992. I could speak English, you know, a little bit, right? So a little bit worse than that,、It's、similar to what how I speak now, right? I tried to apply for a job with a the council. They said no. I tried to apply job with a jewelry shop. They said no. And that there's a woman from Taiwan. She has one of these,、um, you know, the duty free shop selling the art boots. I said, you know, can I work for you selling art boots at the Paris market?、Uh, she said, oh, okay, maybe. And she paid forty six dollars. I remember, right, for Saturday work. I said, you know what, I would take it. Seriously, I would take it. Guess what? She said no to me. So I I just couldn't get any job, but. Thankfully, so one of my friends I knew back in in Shenzhen, his name is Raymond Pan. I、right? said、so、I thank him forever. I said Raymond, you know, can you please give me a job? He said,、well, you know, what can you do? Because he never never knew I can sell. I said just just anything really, and he employed me for hundred sixty dollars a week. What a bloody rip off! But anyway, hundred sixty dollars. 
And so I can't, I can't, you know, <laughs> think about it, my God, my rent, I was, you know, I'm what, 20 or 30, right? So 160 bucks, but I couldn't, I can't, I, I can't, I just have to work. So I worked for him during the week and the weekend I said, you know what, can I borrow some of your floppy discs and I can go to the market to sell. So, you know, that that's how he, but he was kind enough to give me like, you know, some floppy discs. He lent for me on consignment, right? So I sell and I pay because I don't have money to pay for the stock. So I work for him for 160 bucks, but I still make a commission for everything I sell. Little bit, I think I make about 300 bucks or something like that. But the weekend market really helped me, you know, and just, you know it's, it's a quick money, you know, it's, uh, I don't have to pay for it. I just pay for the stand. And so the market is doing so well. And the, com- the Raymond's company has closed. And I, I borrow some of his stock. I said, I go to, to the market already. Why I only sell the floppy discs? Maybe I can borrow something else. So I borrow from a company called Aroma Computers. If any of your audience come from Surrey Hills, you will know. So I borrow some stock. I said, my God. So his name is Hong. I said, Hong, can I borrow some stuff from you? And I borrow some copywriter, uh, copy holders, keyboards, mice, and stuff like that, like a mass pad. So I took most stock to the market oh my god my market store from one table to like six tables or something like that so i got come up people to help me i become the queen of the market with, with my bum with my bum back so i and i start borrowing stock from everybody else on fridays so i don't have to disturb their business and on mondays i return everything i didn't sell and i pay them whatever i sold wow that's such a great model <laughs> I become a queen of the market. So this is a good story. You know, this is funny, right? So, and, and the home, you know, you know, remember he owns this aroma computer thing, right? And I didn't have a job from Monday to Friday. He said, you know, Monica, you're such a good sales. So why don't you come and work for me doing Monday to Friday? I said, yeah, no problem. So how much you pay me? He said like $300. The $300 was not bad, 1992, right? So, but everything you sell, I'll give you 10%. Of you know, you sell, you get 10% coming, so no problem. Guess what? First month, I make four thousand dollars in commission. <laughs> oh my this I you know, I pick up a phone, I just smash on the phone call. You know, I, I know so many people, right? So because you know, from them floppy these days, right? But Hong has got more to offer. If you have the copy holders, you have like oh my god, hard drives, you know, all this the cables and stuff like that. So four thousand, and and Hong said, oh "My God, you know, after about maybe six months, he said, 'You're such a good sales.' He was single, I was single. He said, "What? We should keep the money in the family, so we got married." <laughs> oh my God! So this is my story, right? So you you know you don't let money out of your door, just get married, and then wait from that computer shop called Aroma, and they have another name called NASA Technology for wholesale, right? So we grow that corner shop to a multinational company, so which is the laser now. So then we start buying the warehouse in Alexandra, and I bought one in 1997, and they bought another one in 1998. So we become the distributor for like Kodak, you know, verbatim TDK, so it's the number one distributor in the world. How did you come up with the name laser? Because obviously you had a, <laughs> those two brands initially. The house company is called NASA Technologies. Shit, it's got nothing to do. You're probably sitting like a mouse keyboard. How can that be NASA technology, right? So, okay, this is a really funny. So well, there's a friend of mine, you know, he has a brand called Laser. So his name is Zhongli, right? Forever thankful, right? He's an importer of floppy disks. 
So one day, because I bought so much from him, and he said, Monica, you know what? You can just have the brand, you know, because he's just, I don't want to do business anymore. So you can have the brand. So I bought his whole stock from Hong Kong, and the brand is called Laser. I said, you know what? Laser is quite an interesting name. It's something to do with the technology, but, you know, it's a common name people remember. You know what? Let, let me just register the name of Laser. So all my floppy discs, unfortunately, I don't have any more left. Otherwise, it would be, like, so fun to look at, right? So it's called Laser Brand, but a lot of people knew about Laser Brand. And then remember that the floppy disk transferred to uh, a, a recordable CDs. And I have a laser, so I got my own brand. Oh my God, that's an, another story about, you know, laser. So laser recordable cities, like overtaking a lot of famous brands. I become like the queen of uh, recordable cities, right? Because we always sell so many. I'm a number one distributor for Kodak in the world. It was like, oh my God, you you know how? But that's another story. But because I, I always pay on time because I work so hard. I, but just a joke for you. I never record one CD in my life. I don't know how to probably record it, but I can sell, right? You can sell the CD. That's all that matters. You get someone else to do it. This is something you push it in and you press a button and it comes back. Right? I don't know which button to press, but I'm the number one sales for my CDRs. Laser is everywhere. You can see a lot. But if you have never used a CDR called Laser, I tell you, you're very good because you never have a, a pirate copies. <laughs> She acknowledges that she's been on a very interesting journey and that she has been lucky but there have been many other elements at play as well. That's an interesting journey, right? But you know, but but to say that, you know, it's not everything is like, oh my god, you've just been very lucky. This IT is because of CDRs. I just don't sell, see myself as a luck lucky. So everybody's lucky, right? So why we did very well, number one is, you know, of course you have the heart, right? It's, it's the, it's the, I think your integrity is right. So it's all customer focused and you do the right thing. You be fair to everybody, but we work so hard. Seven this week, seriously, the Monica too, like you look at me now, right? So, you know, seven this week with a bomb back. That's my life for like seven or eight years. But you know, we come with nothing. So we, we grow with nothing. So besides of like a bit of, little bit luck, but luck comes, you know, like with the hard work. Is that right? Of course, we're intelligent, we're smart, we have to work smart, but it's hard at the same time. So that I think that um, work ethic is really get us to where we are today. So that's really a really foundation of you know how 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 we can be successful. Anybody listening, or especially if you have a young audience, there's no shortcut. There is none shortcuts. You have to work. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, you, you speak English, no English, you are Asian, uh, um, you know, Australian or a, any part of the world, you know, how work is probably number one. story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. She shares a costly lesson she learned the hard way. Think about that. So, oh my god, damn, I should have sold that, right? How she's made it to where she is despite not knowing what negative gearing was not that long ago. In China, so I, I'm so proud I paid everything. That's stupid, right? You really have to borrow. I forgot, oh my, what, what does it mean? So, negative gearing. She lets us in on her fascinating social life which sometimes involves dining at five-star restaurants and sometimes slightly more humble establishments. My friend Dennis has got 72 investment properties. 
but his life is like probably this is definitely not that I want. He invited me to McDonald's to have dinner. And that's next time on Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.